0: today, Um, Ryan, funny story, you know when you know someone in context you know them by a certain name and then you go to a different context and they've got a whole new name and you're like, how did that happen? But apparently in Victoria, Bowden is Ryan, Um, not Bowden. so that was new to us, I started talking about Bowden, and in a story in one of my talks, and then Ryan shouts out, no one knows you're talking about me. They call me Ryan. I'm like, oh, okay, sure. So college students back. Um, We've got some guests here today for the first time and some that have just come for a few times. And yeah, so nice to have all of our family together again. Now, because I've just finished speaking at a junior summer camp, it's kind of made me realize that they bring a whole new vibe to a service. Like, there was probably a similar number, or maybe a few more juniors than what is in here today. But, you know, I thought I'd bring and carry along the expectation that, you know, juniors bring that real you know, participation, super excited, yay, this is awesome, so I'm really looking forward to feeling that energy from you today at the start of this year in this nice, cool environment. So, I was thinking about how funny it is, I I know when I first met Neil, he he loves music, and I love music too, but he likes country music. But we worked through that Um, and I now like it too, that's what happens. But I remember Neil always is saying to me that, you know, there's a song for everything. You know, anything that you can think of, you know, every situation you're in, a song comes to mind. And I was thinking about that and also thinking that when you think of a word... Or someone says a word, everyone in here will have their own kind of image or memory that comes to mind when, when you say that specific word. So I I was thinking about that and going, hmm, I wonder what everyone else's image comes to mind when they when they hear some words. So I was having a think about it, and if someone said to me, kids' birthday cakes. The image that comes to mind to me is that Woman's Weekly birthday cake book with the little, um, you know, little train on the front. If you're my age, you'll know what it is, and you have got to pick your, 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 thing out your, your cake out of that. Um, if someone said, you know, best hair of all time, then it definitely, just to clarify, it would not be a mullet that comes to my mind, but it would be like the era when it was okay to have a perm, like all to have your hair permed. Um, and then I was thinking, I wonder what comes to mind when, to your minds, when we say the word minister. And if I was to say what came to my mind, if, if someone says, you know, what's the mental image that you get when someone says minister, then for the majority of my life, that image would have been, you know, dark suit, lighter shirt, tie wide or thin, depending on the era, Um, moustache or no moustache, and briefcase, you know, that you clicked both sides and they went up like that and then you could lift your briefcase. And then as I got a bit older, uh, that's basically you, Dad. It's a picture of you in my head when I think of that, just saying. Um, And then as I got older, you know, my picture of what ministry looked like moved to kind of, you know, men's skinny jeans and a cardigan, you know, maybe a turtleneck, some people do ministry like that, but I wondered what was your picture of ministry, and what I want to walk through today is something that I feel so passionate about, because I think sometimes people come into this space and look at us that are on the front, and then create their picture of what ministry is by looking at us crafting it around what they see on the stage. And we need, our world needs, Refresh needs you to understand that that's a very narrow and very limited picture of ministry. And I wanna show you why we need to change that. And then how did Christ do ministry? How can we do ministry to those around us? But as we've been doing for quite a while now, I would like someone to remind me to turn that on. Uh, I would love for us to pray. Now, at junior camp, I thought, I love that we do this here. I'd really love to do this at junior camp down in Victoria. So I made it simpler for the juniors. And so I thought, you know, we all like a bit of simple. So I'm giving you the simpler version as well. But what I loved is... With the juniors, I had kids coming up to me at breakfast going, Pastor Sarah, have you got someone to say the prayer tonight? Oh, yeah, I do. Can I say it tomorrow? I've already got someone for tomorrow. Oh, is there anything else you need help with? And then by the end of the week, I didn't even have to put this slide up. There was juniors that would put their hand up and go, I don't need you to put the slide on. I know it. Off my heart. And I love that. And that, you know, when they said, I nod off my heart, I said, the reason why I want you to nod off my heart is because take it. When you go home and open up your Bible every time you you go to go into some spiritual you know discussion or reading or, or learning we'd love for you to remember that we just don't want it to be surface level we want it to sink in we want it to stir us to act to make changes and then inspire us to share others so I'm just imagining that hands are about to like shoot up everywhere and it'll be a fight over who would like to pray this for us from our congregation but is there Okay, slightly different to Junior, just a, just a little bit. Come on, who's going to do it? It's not, thank you, Paisi. It's about your heads. Amen, thank you so much. Ministry is something that I had a quite a narrow view of. I always had the idea that you just do ministry in whatever you do. It's what I grew up It's the house I grew up in was doing ministry. But I also know that there was points in my, t- in my life where out of convenience for myself, I assigned certain duties to people that were paid to do ministry because it was much more convenient for me not to do that because um, I was busy, um, you know, and I was raising a family. So I'm like, well, actually, if people get paid for it, why should I help out? So let's just load those people up. Uh, but there's a flaw in that. And so I want to, the, the tagline that we had to, over the, this week was, what is ministry and why does it matter? But I actually want to start with the why does it matter this morning, And then I want to move into what is ministry because for me, the why is one of the most important things that we need to understand. And here is the why. And the reason why I'm starting with this is because I don't want to end with this because I want you to see that the why is a really joyous thing. The how is a really joyous thing, sorry. But the why, not so much. So I want to share this with you. In 2023, Suicide Prevention Australia put a document out that says, that listed the economical and social circumstances currently causing elevated distress levels for Australians. The cost of living, personal debt, housing, accessibility, relationship breakdowns, unemployment and job security. This is our world. This is where we live. And then UNICEF uh, that work on behalf of, or globally on behalf of published a document in December last year saying a new UNICEF report has found one in six children in Australia have been left in a plateau of poverty for nearly a decade. Mission Australia reports at the end of 2023 on homelessness that 122,000 people experiencing homelessness on any given night in Australia. 6% of people who are homeless, and you've been confronted with how many people that you see actually sleeping on the streets. You're only seeing 6%. So the rest are sleeping rough or sleeping in their cars or on someone's couch or somewhere like that. Domestic and family violence is one of the main reasons behind homelessness. Last year, one in seven people experiencing homelessness are over the age of 55. And over 17,600 children younger than 12 years are currently homeless. The uh, Australian child maltreatment study that was done last year above the age of sixteen in Australia and reported that thirty two percent of these people experienced physical abuse, twenty eight point five experienced sexual abuse, thirty point nine experienced emotional abuse, eight point nine neglect, thirty nine point six exposure to domestic violence. Beyond Blue says, over two in in five people experience a mental health condition at some point in their life. Almost a third of people in Australia will experience an an anxiety condition in their lifetime. One in seven people in Australia will experience depression in their lifetime. One in five people in Australia have experienced a mental health condition in the past 12 months. More than 3,000 people die by suicide in Australia each year. And on average, nine people every single day. It's today, and yesterday, and tomorrow. There's nine people that have lost the hope to keep going. And that is why we as a church need to understand what is ministry, because we have a world that is so desperately needing something good. And when Christ sent his son to die for us on the cross in our place so that we may have a new place with him, an honored position as children in his kingdom, he doesn't just leave it there. He called us to be part of his ministry. And I think that we need to be reminded of the ministry that is right in front of us. And it's very easy for us to assign that ministry to someone else. But as you saw on those slides, there's too much for me. There's too much for the pastors in South Queensland and not just the Adventist pastors. There's too much for all of the other clergy. There's too much what better place for that help and that hope to come from than a place that believes in a saviour and that can offer something more, something eternal. Ministry is often defined as in- certain countries, a government department headed by a minister... I'd like to say I'm very glad I chose the second one. And uh, the second definition is the work of a vocation of a minister of religion. But that is what we're challenging today. This is not what I want your definition of ministry to be. Because if we leave it at that definition, if you leave that to people that are just like me, that have chosen to do that as their career, have been called to do it full time, then we are not going to make a dent Those numbers aren't going to change and we won't be able to say that as a church we are a part of a movement that started long before us But we may have let that slide. When you look at the new church flourishing in Acts, you see groups of people that are committed to meeting every single day, to making sure that the portions of the food that they have are shared out and delivered to everyone, that no one misses out. And on the days that you weren't present, it was noted and stuff was set aside and delivered to you, particularly widows, families that needed help. My hope and prayer is that over this year, that we will be able to, every single one in this room and everyone that we can drag along with us, that we will move into a space of ministry, of seeing us as ministers of the gospel, of seeing us as important people, Necessary. But how is it that we've become so comfortable with, you know, loving God, knowing God? A lot of us who have had a relationship with Christ for a while, how is it that we've become so comfortable in? pushing this ministry aspect aside. And I read a quote this week that I really love. It's by Martin Luther, and it says, the idea that service to God should have only to do with a church altar, singing, reading, sacrifice, and the like is without doubt, but the worst trick of the devil How could the devil have led us more effectively astray than by the narrow conception that the service of God takes place only in the church and by works done therein? Not only in churches, uh, the whole world could abound with services to the Lord, not only in churches, but also in the home, in the kitchen, in the workshop, in the field. His calling a long time ago for people to see what you have in your hands, what you do in your everyday waking up, walking around life is ministry, Because as you've seen, we have a world that needs it. I hate the fact, and its I just feel so passionate about, I hate the fact that right now there is nine people, most likely males and most likely young people, that could be at this very moment deciding whether they do tomorrow or not. We need to speak into this space. We need to value people. We need to see that the conversations we have in our workplace, at our university, at school, even as a school student, you can value your teacher by having a conversation with them and it may maybe that one moment in the day where they go, huh, I have a purpose. And now that I feel purpose. I'll come back tomorrow and feel a little bit more of that purpose. But that is why I think we need to be compelled. That is why I think when Jesus left this earth he called his disciples and commissioned them to go and make more disciples. And you and I are part of that heritage. And that same commission hangs or is given to us gifted to us but sometimes we look at ministry and go okay all right I can do stuff but how I'm actually really shy or you know I don't generally just walk up to people and feel okay or I hate the stage oh my goodness and don't ask me to sing because that's just dangerous for the world so how do we do ministry and I thought today what Why would we not look to Christ's life to work out how do we do this? Ministry. Now, I wanna look up uh, a Bible verse and if you don't have a Bible today and you are new here or you just don't have a Bible, I'd love for you to put your hand up and we would love to gift you one if you want one. Neil has got a heap over there. So if you want a Bible, just raise your hand and we will give you one. If you wanna grab one at the end and don't wanna raise your hand now, that's okay. Um, I love it when we've got something for Neil to do you know, because he doesn't do much. Um, And so, you know, (laughs) jokes, jokes. That's why it's funny because it's not true. It's one thing. All right. So I want to have a look at, if you have your Bible with you, let's go to Matthew 9 and we're going to look at 35 to 38. Matthew chapter 9, Verse 35 to 38, while you're looking um, that up on your Bible, we've got a few other passages we're going to look at. But today, talking about ministry and the practicality of ministry, I'm going to give you the Bible references, but then I'm going to let you watch that ministry. So when we go through the steps, I've got some clips from The Chosen that I really want you to catch a glimpse of, of how Christ did his ministry so here we go Matthew 9 35 to 38 how did Jesus do ministry what did he do Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness when he saw the crowds he had compassion on them Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I feel like the dynamics haven't really changed. The harvest is plentiful, there are many, many people looking for hope searching for truth. And I feel like, too, when we say, you know, there's not a lot of people stepping into those spaces, that that may still be true. How did Jesus do ministry? He was present. He walked into their lives. He saw them. He valued them. And I'd love to share with you uh, this quote from the Ministry of Healing by Ellen White, and she looks, you know, evaluates what Christ's work in the Bible and then, you know, just succinctly goes, how can we set out how he did his ministry? And it reads like this. Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. He showed his sympathy for them, ministered to their needs, and won their confidence. And then... He invited them, come follow me. And when he said, come follow me, it's come follow me so that you can learn how to do what I do. You're going to step in to my space. This is not just for me. I'm sharing my ministry with you. So let's have a look at the first one. Christ's method, his ministry. Jesus mingled with people as one who desired their good. Sometimes, you know, whether you use the word mingling or not, um, you know, I often think of it in the context of single and ready to mingle. Not that I personally think that, like, but you know, I've heard that. But mingling is just being amongst, expanding, broadening your network so that you meet a whole heap of people. Now, there will be some of you in this room that are like, that is my least favourite thing to do my absolute least favorite thing to do. I hear some nods, you know, sometimes you maybe you'd rather be reading a book or, you know, on your own or having a holiday, but it's so crucial and Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that proximity, knowing people, walking with people, visiting their town, seeing them in their workplace, befriending them, loving them was really, really important. So, this is Matthew nine ten to seventeen. Tells the story of Jesus eating with Matthew, the tax collector, and you know some unseemly people that they usually wouldn't hang out with uh, were there also. And so I'm going to let you have a look at this um, playing out in front of you. So have a look and a listen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know
1: if he's telling you about it. You know, he was teaching. <laughs> the way he ran from the red quarter, nearly tripping on his robes. <laughs> A fairy's <say>, running? <laughs> Somehow I can't see that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought for certain he would trip and fall and I would be arrested. Knowing oh, your luck, Rivka, probably would happen, huh? Oh. <laughs> I thought for certain Lil was gone forever that day. And it's now. Always was. Does anyone want any grapes? Barnaby, you eat a lot. Very observant. Thank you.
0: So this is Matthew, who is the host, if you haven't seen The Chosen before.
1: You know, Matthew, when you're not behind iron bars, you're quite handsome.
0: I agree. Ah.
1: (laughs) What is going on? Hmm. We heard voices, and I thought it sounded like... But surely not. And yet it is you. Would you like to come in? We would never. Never be caught dead in a... In a what? In a tax collector's house? Not only that, but with Do you know what she and he, they are... You seem to be having troubles finding your words, man. Why does your master eat with tax collectors and sinners? There's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I must say... I am shocked. She is from the Red Quarter. Much of what is done there cannot even be spoken by my tongue or across my lips. It is so unholy. The mere mention of it would defile me. Sounds like a personal problem. But him and the others he works with, they betray our people for money, and they are not even sorry. If you are so offended, then leave. Let them speak, Andrew. They've never offered guilt sacrifices in the temple. What? The priests keep records. We check them. The tax collectors are not welcome at the temple. You'd like them better if they made the proper sacrifices. This is not about me. This is about what God wants. You're forgetting the scroll of Hosea. Hmm? Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy more than sacrifice. There are righteous men on the lookout for you and they are weighing every word you say. Is that a threat? Please let them know this, Yusuf. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Is everything under control here? Uh, Yes, we were just going on our way, Centurion.
0: The way Jesus did ministry was not seeing himself above anyone else being able to look at someone, look beyond their condition, look beyond their occupation, look beyond sometimes their personalities that may rub with you and see that he valued every person regardless of their situation, regardless of their social standing. Every single person that he came up against, came across was valued and treasured, and I believe that's what he's calling us to do. He's calling us in our workplaces and in our schools, in our universities, in our supermarkets, wherever we are, to look at people with a different lens, to go, I am loved by God, and you are too, just as much as me. And what can I do today to represent God in your life? How can I value you? Is it a meal? Is it a phone call? Is it a text message, a conversation that you can do to minister to the heart of well, as one who desired their good? And then he sympathized with the people he looked at them and went, "Hey, I can see where you're at. I see you." I'm not just, you know, like smile and wave, like propaganda. He didn't walk around kissing babies, I mean, he probably did kiss babies, but it wasn't like the politician kiss. Like, you know, it, it was a genuineness there. I want to to see people and he ministered to their needs. He looked at people and truly saw, "Hey, You're not as smiley as you usually are. Are you okay today? Or, hey, there's a different vibe in here today. Did something go down? Like, is there something I can do? Is there a way I can help? That's the kind of people that Jesus needs. If we go to John um, chapter five, Uh, Verse 2 to 6, we can read the story of a man laying beside the pool of Bethesda and believing that they would be healed when the waters stirred. The first person to get into the water would be healed. And it's a beautiful picture of Jesus coming in and, and making a direct connection with this man not just walking in and going, oh my goodness, there's like 80 of you here waiting to get into this pool. I can't do anything with the 80, that's way too many. And you know what, It's pro- like, that smells a bit overwhelming. I'm just gonna go around skirt around this way so I don't have to be confronted by it, so I don't have to feel responsible. There's probably paid people dealing with that. Jesus looked at this man and saw someone who was so valuable. Whose life needed to change, that had no one else to help him, and he reached in and said, I will be that help for you.
1: Shalom. Me? Yes. Shalom. I have a question for you. For me. I don't have many answers, but I'm listening. Do you want to be healed? Who are you? We'll get to that later. But my question remains. Will you take me to the water? (laughs) Look, I'm having a really bad day. You've been having a bad day for a long time. So? I have no one to help me into the water when it's stirred up. And when I do get close, the others step down in front of me. And so... Look at me. Look at me. That's not what I asked. I'm not asking you about who's helping you, or who's not helping, or who's getting in your way. I'm asking about you. (laughs) I've tried. For a long time, I know. And you don't want false hope again, I understand. But this pool, it has nothing for you. It means nothing. And you know it. You're still here. Why? I don't know. You don't need this poor. You only need me. So do you want to be healed? your man. you to walk like he said. Don't forget your bed. Why does this matter? Because you're not coming back here. That life is over. Everything changes now.
0: That connection, you see that moment where his eyes connect and he feels seen. He knows that someone has seen him in that space. That feeling of being that for someone else is not exclusively gifted to me as a minister of the gospel. It's not exclusively gifted to teachers or anyone else. God is calling you to have that connection with the people around you, to let them know at any given moment that they are seen and that they are heard. Then Jesus won people's confidence. He remained a genuine, rock solid person that didn't waver, that was the same yesterday as he was today. So much so that people just followed him wherever. They flocked to him because they wanted to see what he could do. And this next story that's found in Luke 5 18 to 20, it was one of my favorites as a child, and I would love to you to see it just played out out What happens here? I saw
1: what you did to the leper on the road
0: this morning. My friend has been paralyzed since childhood. He has no
1: hope but you. Please do for him what you did for the leper. Oh. That's a Put it back, man.
0: If you are willing, Rabbi, I know you can do this. Uh...
1: Your tablet at least. Harry! Is he in danger? I don't know. No, I don't think so. He's got room in there? Yes. Can you believe we're really here for this? What did you teach? Answer me. Hey, I'm talking to you. By whom do you teach? Certainly not the authority of any rabbi from Nazareth. Where did you study? Your faith is beautiful. Son, take heart. Your sins, They're forgiven. Who is this who who can forgive sins but God alone? Right. But I ask you, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk? It's easy to say anything, no? But... To show you and so that you may know that the son of man has the authority on earth to forgive sins i say to you does
0: it. <laughs> I love that Simon, one of Jesus's disciples, and goes, can you believe that we're really here, that we get to see this? And I, I hope that you get a sense of that too today, because that feeling shouldn't be only left with those disciples that lived a long time ago. You have been asked and called to partner with the God of the universe. And they talked about authority in that clip. Before he left this earth, Jesus gave us that authority. He asked us to take it on and to become his representative in the world around us. And so it shouldn't just be the disciples of long ago that have that goosebump moment and feeling that they've had an opportunity where they've seen God at work in someone's life and they've been able to participate in that. That's an opportunity for all of us. And then... Jesus went on and asked people to come and follow him. And there's a beautiful clip, I won't show it to you because we're running out of time, but there's a beautiful clip in Matthew where Jesus calls uh, his first disciples and you know they're fishing in a boat and they come and realize that they're going to be doing something else. Actually, they're called to do more than just make their living. And for some of us, we'll be called to something different. God calls us to change, and different seasons, different things happen. But what I want you to understand today, it's in your everyday life that we are needing God to be present So this was God's way of doing ministry, and so let's have a look at what it transpires into our own space. Jesus mingled with people as one who desired their good. What can we do? Open your network. Expand your network, not just for the sake of going, hey, I said hi to five people today and, you know... Reduce the amount of swearing that I did on my work site, you know, like not just because of that, but because someone, if I don't even know them, they're not even going to accept my help anyway. It's going to be wrong. So what can we do when we live here today? When you walk out of here, you look around. You don't know everyone in this room. You've got an opportunity to practice expanding your network as you walk out this door and make your way to the car today. Because if all those statistics that we read at the first, they weren't statistics, it wasn't just people that were surveyed, they weren't just people without, they were statistics of people like you and I. So that tells us that even within this space, there are people here that need someone to see them that needs someone to connect with them and ask them how they are going. So open, expand your network and then value others. Make connections, real connections with people. Meet up with them, get their phone number, be bold, be interested in them and be genuine and honest care for others. And then... When you have become, a, make a genuine connection with them, let them know the difference that God has made in your life. Let them know that whatever is happening with them, we have a Bible, we have stories, that there's nothing really new that we haven't encountered before that hasn't been seen in there. So share with them. Be bold, be brave, because there are too many people needing our health, and too meant too little to do it. When Refresh first started, and that's so exciting for me to see still see people in this room that were here with us on that journey. Um, a lot of time was given to working out what are we going to say, what are we going to call it, what's the tagline, and we landed with Refresh: Growing Followers of Jesus. That is what we want to do. We want to be people that represent them, teach them, model so that they can share it with others. We invite you today to come on that journey with us, joining us in growing followers of Jesus, doing ministry in our every day. And I so desperately want to hear the stories of when you have taken up that challenge. So our challenge for you is, if God, if Jesus, if his sacrifice on the cross for you, if all of this is just so new to you, then we want to walk alongside with you so that you can understand that more and know the meaning behind these stories. Know the person that died for you. And if you've been walking with Christ for a really long time, we want to reignite your fire to go. The stuff that the disciples did is not historical It's not just laid in the past. It's a calling that is laid on all of us to make a difference in this world. And when we do, I believe that God's kingdom will grow and some people that could have ended up as a statistic won't be there because someone shared their hope and their faith with them. And I challenge that to be you. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for the ministry that you have called every single one of us to do, regardless of our abilities, our time, our family structures, our personality, you have a space for all of us. Lord, we ask that you will send your Holy Spirit to rain down on us and that we may have the braveness, the courage, the boldness to step into that ministry so that we can change this world and grow your kingdom. Be with us, strengthen us, May we shine our lights bright for you in your name. Amen.